Hey there, I'm Logan Clements, one of the co-hosts of the Better Events Podcast, and I'm really excited for you to listen to this week's episode. We often talk about topics that are really relevant in the events industry or for small business owners, and I genuinely mean it when I say that this episode applies to everyone. I am so excited for you to hear this interview where Mary and I sat down with one of my mentors and a current sports broadcaster and small business owner herself, Jen Mueller, where she teaches us all about how we can be asking better questions. I think this is something that is so valuable for anyone who's looking to make a good first impression, want to really crush an interview, whether you're being the interviewee or the interviewer, and just have better interactions with people through the power of asking good questions. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. But before we get into the episode, I do want to remind you, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, anywhere. Uh, that just helps us grow this community and find more people like you. And as always, you can send us any kind of recommendations or if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast to our email of bettereventspod at gmail.com. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm Logan McClements, one of your co-hosts, and I am incredibly thrilled. Thank you, Mary, for that word before we started. Not excited, but thrilled for our guest today. So before we introduce her, Mary, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Yeah, feeling good. Uh, we've been doing a lot of podcast recordings today, Logan and I, and we are thrilled, like she said, for this episode in particular. So feeling good. Yeah, and I feel like I, I did a good intro for this where we're going to talk about asking better questions. So I'm hoping by the end of this episode, I will have a better question to ask you, Mary, at the start of our podcast moving forward. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure here. But why don't you introduce our, our guest today? Yeah, absolutely. We are, as we said, really thrilled for our guest today. And so we are joined by Jen Mueller, who is a 22-year sports broadcasting veteran, and she serves currently as the sideline radio reporter for the Seattle Seahawks and is part of the television broadcast team for the Seattle Mariners and Seattle Kraken. And also, Jen has founded Talk Sporty to Me in 2009 and brings a unique, practical, and outside-of-the-box approach to sports talk and business communication. So Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. And thanks for that intro. You know, usually people just say, here's Jen, right? Like I'm on TV and radio. Let's go down to Jen. No, I like the intro. That's awesome. There yeah, you go. Is there anything, <laughs> anything you want to add to that lovely intro, Jen? Anything we missed? Why would I want to add something to that? No, you covered it. Well, before we uh, jump into our questions for you, Jen, we do want to tell our listeners kind of why we why we asked you here. And so the twofold kind of for me, the first time I met Jen was actually at a women's leadership breakfast in Seattle, and I was a volunteer slash speaker wrangler. And Jen was the host of this panel discussion. And I still to this day can't tell you what was discussed, apart from the fact that I walked away saying, Jen is an amazing host, and I hope they're paying her lots of money because there's a very big difference between being an effective panel moderator and just someone who asks questions or tries to insert themselves too much. I thought, Jen, you just like crushed all the boxes. And then just to make matters even better, I then as a part of Wise Seattle Women in Sports and Events, 
I entered into their Wise Within mentorship program and I got paired with you, Jen, which just was like mind blowing for me. So you have been a mentor and a friend over the last couple of years that has helped me as a business owner and as a person. So I am thrilled and excited and enthusiastic to have you here. <laughs> I don't know how I can possibly top that. I hope I live up to the expectations today. That bar yeah. is set awfully high, Logan. I, you know, I, I feel like, but you're of all the people you've got this, Jed. I mean, today okay. we're going to be diving into how we can ask better questions. And for listeners, just thinking about this is like for first impressions, for interviews, and especially as an event pro, kind of how you can work this into your process. But my first question for you, Jen, would be, how did you get so good at asking questions? Outside of the fact that it is part of my job. I mean, I, I ask a lot of questions because I do hundreds of interviews over the course of a single season. I, I've lost track over the years. But there's two real big reasons as to why I have taken the time to craft this part of my skill set. Time constraints and credibility. So if you think about the post-game interviews that I would typically do after a win, those are about 90 seconds to two minutes long. I generally ask three questions. Well, if I'm only going to ask three questions and I've got less than two minutes, I need to make sure that the audience is entertained and that they get information. I need to make sure that the athlete is set up to succeed in that moment to either tell their story or their perspective on what happened in the game. I need to exit the conversation as quickly as possible. Me personally, because the audience doesn't want to hear from me. They want to hear from the athlete. So I got very good and very strategic at crafting focused questions and then getting out of the way and letting the athlete take the conversation. The other part of this, the credibility part is I learned early on in my career that I couldn't get by with asking some of the questions that my male counterparts would ask that weren't actually questions. Hmm. When I walk into the room and I am one of the only women in the room or a woman working in sports, this is one of the ways that I can differentiate myself. And it was out of necessity because a big league manager actually called me out in the middle of a media scrum and said, you know, this works a lot better if you would ask me a real question. And at the time it was really harsh and I was really embarrassed. I have maintained a good relationship with this manager over the years. He's still a big league manager. And I talked to him about it a few years ago. And he said, you know, there's a couple of different reasons for that. I hope I didn't make you feel bad. I said, no, actually, you made me think about this in a different way so that I would be more strategic about it. So if I had to sum up why this is something I'm so passionate about, it comes back to credibility but also setting people up to succeed when it comes to sharing their story and getting the information that you need that's going to make everything so much easier in the veins of communication and working with them. Jen, I'd love to know, just based on what you just said, how often are the questions that you're asking, you kind of hinted at it, like curated beforehand mm -hmm. or like in the moment, listening and reacting? 90% of what you hear me ask is curated ahead of time. So if I am watching a game, I am taking notes from the very beginning of that game, whether it's hockey, football, baseball. If you were to see the scorecards that I keep, I start writing questions about plays that I think might be of interest at the end. Because you won't know until you get to the end of the game, right? I want to set myself up to get the answers like on the first try. 
and to really tell the story of the game. And I don't want to leave it up to chance that I find the right word. Part of asking a better question is to attach a specific objective and emotion to it. So instead of saying, tell me about the game or tell me about that fourth quarter or tell me about the seventh inning, which by the way, not a question, right? Yeah, I, I want to get very focused on that. And it's easy in the moment when I'm doing an interview, whether I'm on stage or I'm dodging a Gatorade bath, there's so much going on. Also, there's voices in my ear. Like literally the producer is talking to me. I'm trying to listen to the athlete. I'm trying to think about there's way too much going on. And anybody who does that puts a lot of pressure on themselves and the person they're talking to to either be entertaining or to stumble upon the right answer, right? Like I get that there's a point where you need to be curious and you need to listen to what that person is saying. But if that is your entire strategy on asking questions, you are missing at least 80% of what the real story is. And you're stressed out in that moment, whether you realize it or not. And then you get done and you're like, well, I didn't, that's not, I didn't think that's how that was going to go. Right? And I can solve that problem by curating and developing the questions ahead of time so that I can guide that conversation and be assured that at the end of it, I have gotten all of the answers that I need. Yeah, you're coming at it from such an interesting lens. I feel like, Jen, like you say, you're, you're, it's, it's your job to ask good questions. But I think it really applies to all of our lives, no matter if we're working in events or beyond. But what's the difference between a good and a bad question? Does the person you're talking to know where you are going with that question? A good interviewer in my position, when I say you're setting the athlete up to succeed or you're setting somebody up to succeed, there should be zero question in their mind what the answer is. Okay. We think all the time that the answer is obvious. And we've been taught that open-ended questions are the best ones to ask. Open-ended questions without focus cause confusion. Here is the best example, and it's one that you get all the time, and it's the way that you open the podcast. And the question is, how are you? <laughs> I knew it. I walked right into it. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody does it. But but I want you to think about this, right? And so that's that's a conversational norm, right? We all follow that script. Here's the problem with that question. Really think about this. How are you is the biggest, broadest, most open-ended question that you could possibly come up with, right? I mean, you, yeah. the the options for answers are endless. And yet, what are the two things that most people default to? And I know this because I ask this in every setting that I ever do training in, right? What are the two words that most people come up with? I'm good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Good. I mean, yeah. you, if you've got an overly enthusiastic person, you're awesome or great, right? It's a one word answer. Here's, here's why we're getting that. You gave people too many options and they don't know what the right one is. And you didn't create a safe enough space for them to tell you that they're not doing well. They're overwhelmed at work. They're struggling with their diet. Their parents are sick, right? You, even if you truly care about them as a human being, you didn't make it clear that that was an okay answer. And nobody wants to look stupid, whether they're on live TV or radio or just having this one-on-one -on -one conversation. So Logan, going back to the question, a good question starts by 
giving key indicators as to where this conversation is going. Because now I'm building trust and rapport just in the way that you ask the question so that I am very clear on what the answer should be. That would be the first thing I would say. I'm like, this is a very, I, I feel slightly meta in this because I'm like, we're asking you questions about good questions. I, know. And I'm like, I was like, are these good questions? questions? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But this is also great for any listeners if you host a podcast to incorporate this into your questions when you're working with it. Because I think, Jen, like you say, like you default to, you know, the, the standard questions we've heard time and time again when you, pan you know, maybe you panic and just say, yeah, how are you? And realize, not realizing that it is such a more loaded and confusing question when it feels straightforward. Right. And that there's a reason that you're having that conversation in the first place, right? So this goes back to what Mary was asking. If I'm having the conversation, like the conversation starts at how are you? That is your conversation starter, right? It's not what comes next. That is your moment to guide the conversation wherever you want it to go. But just in general, there should be some emotion here. So if you talk about, you go to the standard list of questions, right? I can tell you what the standard list of questions is for every post-game interview and for every interview about my career and career development. I'm going to give you the same answer because it's just easy, right? If you want people to give you an original answer, you need to come at it not, not from left field. Just tweak it just a little bit so they can't give you the standard response and it forces them to tell you more of a story. That's a more revealing answer, right? So I have an example with coffee so that this makes a little bit more sense, right? So if you walk into Starbucks and they say, uh, you know, like, hey, what are you having today, right? Um, you're going to order the same thing that you order every time because it's the same thing that they heard. If you walk in and somebody switches it up and they say, hey, what kind of pick-me-up can I get you today? Now, you might give the exact same order. Ultimately, I am still going to order a grande dark roast with a splash of half and half in it. <laughs> but I'm probably going to tell you, you know what? I do need a little jolt. I didn't sleep well last night. I've been up since 530. My day has not gone according to plan. This is the thing that I need. Now, for my barista at Starbucks, do they care that much? I don't know, unless they were going to upsell me on a snack or a bottle of water, you know, any of these things. But it's it's something that's in line, but it forced me to think about it in just a little bit of a different way. And now I told you what my day is. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Again, like my brain goes running of just all the ways we could apply this. I think one of my first things you just brought, I haven't even associated with kind of our interview was... I worked a lot with international students when I was in college, and so English is a second language, and they all said we had these weird mannerisms in English saying, what's up or how are you as you walk past somebody? And they were like, I keep stopping to tell people how I'm doing, and they keep walking. Like, what am I missing? And it was like, oh, it's just a it's, – it's muscle memory almost. You're just saying it, and you're not actually listening to the answer or the response. And so your analogy of the coffee shop, I'm like, oh, yeah, whenever someone, like, says something or – for me, it's always like I, I have this hot pink lipstick and somebody was like, I love your lipstick. And I was like, that just made my day. That was like, you know, where's that lipstick from? It was like very different that I was like, oh, I shook out of my routine that you're talking about from just a good personal, you know, a more personal question than just how are you? Uh, yeah, I really like this. The, the, first of all, my brain is like going crazy right now because I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing with my life and how I'm asking questions? But I guess that's just a side note. No pressure. Um <laughs> 
And Jen, I have to say, I have this like now and personally inside my head, I'm like, I want us in this episode to ask you a question that you've never been asked before, but I'm not going <laughs> to, maybe I shouldn't speak that. Our has been set even higher, Mary. <laughs> but goals, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is really interesting. So for, for professionals in general, um, we've talked, we've talked a lot about like why it's important to ask good questions, but specifically, um, could we maybe talk through, I don't know, like some examples or just dive deeper into why is it so important to ask a question for a professional to ask good questions within their professional setting? Because you're not getting the real answers otherwise, right? Most people are not super happy to jump into conflict, right? Most people in the course of your day, your schedule is so jam-packed, they're just going to take the easy way out. So if you give them an easy option, they will. So for example, when it comes to getting feedback or when it comes to getting a real answer and you send the email that says, let me know what you think about this. I would venture to guess that not only it takes a very long time to get a response to that, but you probably won't get a response to that because it's the easy way out. If, however, you come at it with a question and says that, that says, is this scope within your budget, right? Is this the scope that you were talking about for your event? Yes or no, right? This is the, these are the two things that I have added to the contract after the conversation. Does this fit in your budget, right? Is this what you expected? Yes or no? Because otherwise I could start going down this road and think that everything's fine only to find out that the client is really irritated at the end of the day because it went over budget. Now you communicated that ahead of time, but they didn't have to deal with it in the moment. They could deal with it after the fact, which just makes it more frustrating for you because you gladly would have adjusted that had you just had that conversation up front. So when you think about asking questions as a professional, look, if any answer will work, then ask any question, right? Like if you're just at a <laughs> Look, if you're at a networking event, and this has happened to all of us, right? You're just trying to get through the 10 minutes, right? And move on or do whatever you're doing. That's fine. If any answer will work, then ask any question you want. If all you care about is getting that person to respond, fine. But my guess is when you go to talk to somebody, there is a specific answer that you are looking for in a specific time frame, And that's where we need to make it painfully obvious so that we get the real answers. Otherwise, we're not addressing the problems. And it's only going to cause bigger ones at the end of the day. And Jen, you mentioned when you're like in a, in a game, you're taking copious amounts of notes. So I'm just thinking, applying to that exact scenario, like you're saying, as an event professional who we want to write a better questions in our emails. Like, are you so good right now that you can do it one off and it's perfect? Or do you kind of create drafts? And how do you, how would you suggest to someone who now wants to incorporate all these, this knowledge that you're dropping right now into their actual day to day? So the way that I do it, it's a mix and match. So if I'm at a game, I generally know how I want that question formulated. I, I know the words that I'm going to use. I know the phrase that I'm going to use. But you would see the hockey notes that I've taken. If I pulled out a notepad, I've got a lot of chicken scratch and I'll cross out the word and I'll do this because I need every word to count because of the time constraints that I'm under, right? So I choose my words very carefully. And I can't screw up the question because I don't have time to like hunt and peck and find the right answer, okay? 
when I'm doing a panel discussion or when I'm going down to spring training and I have a list of 20 questions and all 30 players I talk to are going to get them, I follow the similar process. And that is this. You write down the first question that comes to mind. Okay, so the question that you think you're going to ask, we can go back and do this with how are you if you want, or one of you gals can give me one. Do you want to give me one that you ask all the time that you think you might want to upgrade? I'm going to put you on the spot now. <laughs> I like this. Mary, do you have one to come to mind? Um, I'm trying to think. I can't handle the pressure. Let me think. Logan, if you have one, jump in. But um... I so. I'm Go thinking ahead. like a network event. I mean, you always, people are like, yeah. oh, what do you do? Or like, the, just like that classic of just, yeah, what do you do for work or something that can we make that more exciting? <laughs> okay, good. Like so that. this is an yeah. active activity, gals. I've now flipped the table on you because I, I much prefer to be <laughs> asking the questions. I'm now workshopping. <laughs> okay, so the question is, what do you do? So that's the first question that comes to mind. What we're looking for is an upgrade to that question in order to find that, you have to identify the objective. What are you hoping comes out of that answer, right? What are you, what are you actually looking for? I'm looking get to figure out if we can connect, right? Or go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah like a way, yeah, a point of connection. Um, Learning. Just something, something in common, yeah. Yeah. What's the emotion that comes to mind? I was going to say curiosity, but I don't know if that's an emotion. That's it's a, I, I mean, it's too. all like a positive connection that you're trying to make. So when I would go and ask that question, and I'm trying to make a point of connection, and I want to be curious about it, here's what I, and I'm, I'm doing this live, so just give me a second here. Yeah. What keeps you curious? How do you stay curious in your line of work? is an upgrade that I would write down. Yeah, while you're writing, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've tried that in, or a variation. What I like to say, I do it in my newsletter every so often of what makes people happy. A podcast I listen to ends with that, which I think is just so fa fascinating. And I, Jen, I did your course about how to ask better questions. So I was like, I need to narrow the time frame because like what makes you happy just feels like so big. So I was like, what's made you happy in the last two weeks? And then I get very specific or random. I mean, it's kind of random what comes out of that, but people, I've had positive responses, I will say versus the standard, oh, what do you do? <laughs> well, here's another one that I would say. If you're at a networking function, so this is a little bit different than if you meet somebody on the street, right? You're at a networking function. It is a given that you're going to be talking to people. You might phrase something like this. Before I ask what you do, I'm curious what's the biggest challenge you've solved this week. Mm. right? Or what's your biggest win this week? And you can almost like reverse engineer that. So now the curiosity is not necessarily the word, but you've put curiosity into this process. So now you are truly discovering this together. Yeah. Does that make sense? And mm -hmm. so you're going to back into, okay, let me guess you're a lawyer. Nope. Let me guess like you work at a TV station, right? And then I promise you, they have never had that as an intro before. And now that's going to be a much more interesting question back, or at least the conversation is starting to go down a path. And when you go to do your thank you note or your follow-up, this is where I would be really strategic in either the first part of the question or the end. Um, you need something that you can follow up on in that email or thank you note. Right. I want that question to do two things. I want to figure out, first of all, are you somebody that I should be networking with? But two, what's my second point of connection after we finish this conversation? 
This is like so valuable, I feel like, because it's not okay, like communication in general is is really important. People talk about it, but I don't think it's very often that I hear people talking in the same vein about asking questions. Usually it's more about listening and not like actually pinpointing the right question. And I think as like I'm thinking for myself as a business professional that this is something that would be very helpful just in business. Um, I keep, I do keep leaning towards like the sales aspect, although I know we don't always love sales, but to be able to, like you just said, remember something that someone else, like you get the information and then you can remember it. I can only imagine how that can impact that relationship building process. Well, and when you talk about listening, when you ask a better question, it's easier to listen, right? Like you're not zoning out because you're getting the story and you're watching the face. Like you can tell somebody who's interested in the conversation versus not. When you have somebody that's interested and engaged, now it's easier to listen. And we're raising the level of communication. And all of this, it is just a different way to look at communication. It's really important in certain lines of work, right? Or in certain aspects of all of our jobs. But when you do this and you are thinking through the conversation, this is kind of the other part, right? So if I'm facilitating a panel discussion, I want to think through every step of that conversation. I want to make it easy for the person to respond. I want it to be a comfortable line of questioning so that that topic flows and all of the panelists are in sync. That is how you build trust and rapport. And I said it a little bit earlier, but people don't realize that the way you communicate, look, if this is my first impression of you or my only impression of you, And I walk away feeling like, man, that was a great conversation. Or Jen is easy to talk to, which is those two things, by the way, are the pieces of feedback I get most often from my athletes. You make a great first impression and you're easy to talk to. That's a huge win for me because I need them to want to talk to me, right? (laughs) Like, so if you think about this in the context of networking or working with clients or sales or panel discussions, this is not an inconsequential thing. right? You are building rapport and trust in the way you approach these conversations. Yeah, which are like event professionals. I mean, I think you're coming at it from a sales lens, like you said, Mary, but still just, I mean, so much of like our business as planners or producers is so much that you need to gel with the client and make that good first impression. And even them saying you're easy to talk to makes your job so much easier and doesn't matter what kind of an event vendor you are, I really think. But I do, uh, I had a question because I wanted you... Uh, to talk about, because I said I first met you when you were moderating a panel Uh and just understanding, because I have witnessed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been at events where clearly a panel was set up and the person asking the questions was either reading from a piece of paper they'd just gotten or just like really hadn't done their homework. And the fact that you're taking the time to essentially storyboard, you know, curate the experience you're looking for warms my heart because I wish that's what everyone did. But what would your tips be for someone who is moderating a panel for the first time? Or maybe they just want to apply what you're saying to their panel moderation. Number one, if you have access to the panelist ahead of time, take advantage of that. Even if it is 15 minutes before you go on stage. And the point is not to ask them all the questions that you're going to ask on stage. The point is to get just enough information that I can personalize the questions that are already on my piece of paper. But if I'm doing a large event like that women's leadership breakfast, I do book at least 20 minutes with each panelist. I go through a list of questions. I take a lot of notes. When I formulate the questions, you'll notice, Logan, because you've seen me do this, I don't go straight down the row. 
And I don't ask the same question to everybody. The questions are specific to the panelist and it comes from the answers they gave me. So if you told me about the most challenging experience in your career, instead of saying, hey, Logan, what was the most challenging experience in your career? My question would be, Logan, early in your career, you had an incident with a client that really caused you to rethink boundaries and who you wanted to work with. What happened that caused this 180 approach in your business? That's the question because it's personalized. Now the audience knows what's going on. I just summed up the context and now you can just give me the answer. If you don't have access to the panelists for more than just a few minutes, take a look at that question list and hopefully you've gotten it ahead of time and do that exercise that we just did and see if you can upgrade at least half of those questions. And Put, figure out what that emotion or the objective is, because there's something very specific that you are trying to get out of it. The audience should know what it is so that your panel is also like giving you that information. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'm going to clip that and send that to anybody who's working on a panel <laughs> in my future. Here's because a tip. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. mean, it's, to me, it sounds like it's, I mean, this is a pro tip on top of a very simple concept, like you're saying, of doing your homework, essentially. And I yet I feel like I've I've witnessed it miss a lot and event organizers confused of why this stellar panel they put together was a miss. And so much of it, I feel like, again, from knowing you, Jen, has been like they're just not getting asked the right questions. The conversation was not steered by the right captain of the ship. And so you went in some direction that you didn't need to go in, or so and so domineered the conversation. And, you know, questions can be used, I feel like, to create, to curate what you're looking for. Yes. Yes, I also think just from an event planner standpoint, and this is me as a broadcaster, I don't wanna give up control of the microphone or the floor, which sounds like I am hogging all the airtime. What I'm actually trying to do is keep everything on time. I know how long that answer should be. I know how many questions I need to fill out a 30 minute panel and a 45 minute panel and a 60 minute panel. When I keep those questions tight, I am actually controlling the time. I am making it easier so that I'm not interrupting somebody in the middle of a 10 minute story, right? And that's what I would also encourage facilitators to think about. Don't give that time and that control away. We do that when we say, we're gonna have the panel introduce ourselves. No, you're not. Do not do that ever. Stop doing that. The moderator needs to give a two sentence intro for those folks because it goes off the rails before it even gets started. Every single time. Don't do that. Don't start anything with tell me about you will end up down some sort of hole that you do not want that conversation to go. Don't <laughs> give up control of the time or the floor. That bio is so timely. We do joke with our podcast guests that everyone gives us varying degrees of bios. And I've, we've mentioned it to guests before going, it's a lot easier if it's a printed and a flyer, but for us to read all of it, it's like we're going for a couple sentences. They usually let us delete a couple paragraphs, but mm -hmm. it's like it's very different verbally than if you saw it on a piece of paper. But um, just, I mean, this has been great, Jen. I have appreciated it. I always love talking with you. I don't know. Mary, do you have any last questions for Jen? No, I just, well, my last question is a terrible question. It's not like, should we even ask it? But, oh. but we want to make sure we give you time to just add anything else that you feel like we did not cover. So is there anything else that you'd like to add that you feel like would be beneficial for this topic? I think something, it, it's what you just said, Mary. Look, I have to be very 
intentional with the questions that I ask on TV. Again, it goes back to time constraints. When I'm sitting around and I'm talking to people that I know and I'm having drinks with my girlfriend, heck, even when I'm just talking to my boss and it's off the cuff, not everything is scripted out, right? Like this is just for those moments where, look, you know that you can add even more to a critical conversation or to a big event or to a stellar panel, right? Don't overthink it in every area of your life. This is just one of those tools that you can fold into all the other things that you're doing. It doesn't mean cross off everything that you've ever done before or that you should feel bad for asking a question that didn't go through the two revisions that we just made, right? Like just, just put this in your back pocket and use it as needed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Super helpful. And Logan, are you going to take it away with some sentence finishers for us as well? Yes. We have our, our, our three sentence finishers. So first one is if I had more hours in the day, I would well, first of all, I'd ask for fewer hours in the day. This is somebody who like has flown to Japan a couple of times. When you come back, you get to relive the same day. It's very long. But if I had more hours in the day, I would read more. Love it. Yeah. And then what about your favorite productivity tool is? My to-do list the night before. It is written down the night before so that when I wake up in the morning, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's a great brain dump. On pen and paper or using a digital tool? Pen and paper or my whiteboard that's right by the door where I get my coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Something you're looking forward to this year, whether business or personal is? That might be the question, Mary. Logan, I realize you just asked me. Um, Something I am looking forward to is, like, does it have to be a big thing? How do I not have an answer for this? It can be small. It does. It's all relative. I mean, my husband has a big birthday this year, so that'll be fun. I don't know. I always look forward to football season. I don't, any night I get to have wine. I know, like, (laughs) it's, it's small things with me, Logan. Any night I can have a girl's night with some wine. That's what I look forward to. Also just being in person again. How about that? Could I get back into a locker room? That would be awesome. There you oh, go. Gosh, I've had it with Zoom. <laughs> oh, well, Jen, we appreciate you taking the time. Where can listeners find you? Please plug your your, your better questions uh, course you have because we'll link to it in the show notes. Perfect. You can find me on TalkSportyToMe.com and any socials, TalkSportyToMe. That's where you will find me. And Jen also does workshops. I'm going to plug that for you as well. I do. I do <laughs> workshops coaching, training. Yeah, we got it covered. If you've got a business communication challenge, I can help you with that. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us today. I We're all going to go away with better questions on our mind. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, gals. Yeah. Thank you. And Mary, I think it brings us time for our bonus tip. What's our bonus, what's our bonus tip. tip for today? Yeah. So our bonus tip today comes from a recent experience, a workshop that Logan and I attended, and I've seen it actually a handful of times in presentations, but it is about Jamboard, which is a Google, I think it's a product of Google, um, but you can Google it and check it out. We'll link it in the show notes as well. But Jamboard is really great because it's a way to collaborate during a presentation or a workshop. So folks can kind of put their own ideas in the same um, space. They have like little sticky notes and like ways that you can just jam together on the board. There you go. I'm going to be super cheesy and just say it like that, but I'm a big fan of it. So feel free to check it out if you need to amp up some of your presentations or workshops. So that is our bonus tip for today. And that's jam, J-A-M, 
board if you're looking for it. We'll link again in the show notes. But we appreciate you guys listening to us again today. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you for being here and thank you for listening. And we'll be back in your ears again next Wednesday. Thanks, everyone. 